Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. Church has been church this morning. All right, I don't even know if I have to say much more. Amen? Praise God for what he's doing. My name is Pastor Chris, and we're glad that you're here with us this morning. We are in a series of messages entitled Overflow. This is a third of three messages uh, in this. And I want to just take a few moments to kind of ground you in why, uh, why this title, why Overflow. It goes all the way back to the Gospel of John when Jesus is speaking. And we see him in three different times speaking of the condition of the hearts of the people that are around him. And you see, in that day, in that time, many were in a dry place. They were in a place where their lives were dry. Others in a place where their lives were depleted. Just so much had been stolen from them, robbed away from them. They just felt empty. And others were in a defeated place, one where sin had won, where they were bound, where they were continually making the wrong choices over and over and over again. And when that happens, you can find yourself in a hopeless place, a defeated place. And in those three areas... Jesus says the answer is overflow. It's the overflow of his presence and power that he promises to every person that calls upon his name. And so as we've explored that, we've seen in John chapter 10, verse 10, it's here that Jesus gives kind of the mission statement of the enemy. He says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, but this is why I have come, that they might have life, and have it abundantly. That word abundantly, it literally means overflowing. That's what his promise is for your life. So today, or if in this season you've been walking in a dry place, if you've been walking in a depleted place, if even you're here today and you just feel that your life has become defeated, you started out well with God, you had all the best intentions, but you've fallen in some way. And you feel, Lord, what is my hope? Where does it come from? Jesus promises overflow. If you'll call upon his name, come to him and discover what that really means. So today I want us to to take a look in the Gospel of Matthew. And I want you to start with me there in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 3. It's the first book of the New Testament, a little past halfway through your Bible. And I just want to walk us back through the first two messages. In the first message, we talked about how Jesus is truly the answer. He's really the answer for every issue you could face inside of this life, isn't he? It doesn't matter what the question is. I know the answer is Jesus. And I'm not talking about Sunday school answer. I mean, truly, he is the answer. I want to talk about what we're facing in the world around us. Come back next week uh, as we talk through a series called Kingdom Living. But guess what? The answer is Jesus. Uh, That is it. The world that we live in, the challenges that we face, it's about Jesus being Lord, Jesus changing lives. Jesus is the answer. And so wherever you find yourself today, look to him. Cling to him. Run towards him. As we walk through the Gospels, they are the account of Jesus' life here on earth when he walked for and th- really spent 33 years of his life and then three years in public ministry where he ran around speaking and preaching and talking about the kingdom of God and also demonstrating the power of God's kingdom, his rule and reign by healing and miracles and even raising someone from the dead. This was Jesus demonstrating his power. And as people saw it, we see that there are these four recordings of it in the Gospels. Now, there are a few things that we see in all four Gospels. We see these different things that are accounted for, and I've counted 12 of them that I want to talk you through very briefly. The first one we see is baptism, and we celebrated baptisms last week. Come on, someone. 
Is anyone else excited? I'm still excited. We had a prayer in our heart last Sunday. We said, Lord, may we baptize more people than we've ever baptized on a Sunday morning. And guess what? We did at church. 39 people stepped into the waters of baptism. It's not about a number, but it's about those lives and those souls. And I truly believe in my heart we're just getting started. I believe God has even more that he wants to do as people come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we saw that idea that don't complain about how dry your life is if you're not willing to step into the waters. And my prayer for you has been that you just feel God's presence in a new way, that you feel a joy you haven't felt in a long time if that was you. I want you to know in church, would you join me in celebrating with them? If you're here today and last week was a week that you got baptized, I want to tell you as your pastor. I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful for the decision that you make. Come on, church. Let's celebrate with them. Continue to run after him. Continue to fix your eyes on him. You see, whenever I was a new believer in Jesus, I went to a camp with another group of believers and Christians and followers of Jesus. At the time, I was an atheist. I didn't want anything to do with them. I was there for all the wrong reasons. I was there because a friend had invited me and told me that girls might be there as well. And so as a 15-year-old, um, that's, that's enough uh, for you. And so I'm there, and as I'm there, I'm realizing uh, just how out of place I feel. But in one of the services, I had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ when I heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus for the first time. And he came into my life, and he saved me, and he changed me uh, forever. My life has never been the same since that moment. But I can remember three days later, in that service, hearing two words that have now <laughs> flipped my life in a way I never thought it ever could have. You want to know what those two words are? There's more. There's more. That's what a pastor stood up and said to me after I'd accepted Jesus. He said, there's more that he has for your life. There's more that he wants you to walk in. It was in those moments and, and just a few days into my journey with Jesus that I learned this. And this is something that you need to get into your mind. You need to get into your heart. You need to let it settle into your bones that God has something for you in this life. You are not an accident. You're not wandering through this life, uh, just going on thinking, what is it that I will do? You need to know that God actually has a plan for you. He did not design you by accident. Your parents may not even feel like they had a plan for you when you were coming. But God, the God of the universe, your creator and your heavenly father has a plan for your life. You know what, just hearing that, I thought, you know what, that, I could never believe that. But as I read his word, as I got to know him more, I realized just how true it is. That the God of the universe, he pursues each one of us. He has a plan and a purpose for us. And here's what you need to know. That what God has for you, it's bigger than you. What God has for you is bigger than you. It's bigger than you and what you could ever imagine. I am the last person that should be standing here speaking to you. I clammed up. I, I, I was so awkward in front of groups of people. I get sick when I get up and talk. But whenever I realized this, this reality that God had something for me that was bigger than me, if you're willing to step into it, if you're willing to trust him, if you're willing to even take the first step, it's bigger than you, but it's not bigger than him. And he has something to empower you. He has a promise for you, for everyone that's willing to step into his purpose for their lives. You see, the baptism in water, that's what we celebrated last week, it says this, I'm with Jesus. I'm here to stand with Jesus. But for everyone that's willing to step into the plan that God has for them, and I want you to know what's at the heart of that plan, is that you would now be a witness for Jesus. Not only would you be with Jesus, but that you're willing to stand for him. 
Come on, someone, does someone see the difference in that? You stand with him, but if you're ready to stand for him as a witness, then he promises the baptism in the Holy Spirit as a different event, as a different moment in your journey. And this is what he promises. And so let me walk you through what we see in Scripture in all four of the Gospels. It's amazing. We see baptism in the baptism of John in all four Gospels. We see the feeding of the 5,000 in all four Gospels. We see Peter professing that Jesus is the Christ, the Lord, in all four Gospels. We see the anointing of Jesus' feet by Mary in all four Gospels. We see the triumphal entry when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey's colt. It's there in every Gospel account we have. We see the Last Supper in all four of the Gospels. We see what happens in the Garden of Gethsemane, this garden full of olive trees on the Mount of Olives where Jesus knelt and he prayed like drops of blood as he was crying out to God right before he was arrested. We see it in all four accounts of the Gospels. We see him being tried, him going before the leaders of that time. We see him being crucified in all four Gospels. We see him buried in a borrowed tomb in all four accounts that we have in the Gospels. And come on, someone, we see that that tomb's empty on Easter Sunday in all four of the Gospels, that Jesus is alive. But there's one thing that we often miss, that there is a promise that we see in all four of the Gospels. Do you know what that promise is? That we would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit by Jesus. And I want to walk you through that right now. And maybe you've never seen this before, but I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 11. And this is John the Baptist speaking, and here's what he says. He points back to baptism, just like we had water baptism last week. He says this, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, turning from God, turning to the Lord. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I am, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 1. So we're in Matthew 3. Now turn to Mark chapter 1. Some of you, you have phones, and you're laughing at everyone like, ha. I can just go right there on my phone while you have to turn through those pages. Mark chapter 1, verse 8. Here's what John the Baptist says. I baptized you with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. All right, now let's go. Luke chapter 3. Matthew 3, Mark 1. Luke 3, John 1. That's how you can remember it. Luke chapter 3. You still with me, church? Luke chapter 3, verse 16. John answered them all, and here's what he says. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is going to come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And are you ready? John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Keep flipping there. That's why I went in order for you. John chapter 1, verse 33. John the Baptist speaking again. He says, I did not recognize him, meaning Jesus. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, so he's saying, the Lord spoke to me and said this. He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And so as John was baptizing, Jesus comes one day and says, baptize me. He says, I can't baptize you. He says, you must do it to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus is baptized, and when he's baptized, heaven's open. 
a voice from God. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and rests on Jesus. Now the Lord has spoken to John already. He said when you see the Holy Spirit fall and rest on one, when he does that, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. So this is an attribute of who Jesus is. He is the spirit baptizer. This is what John calls him. But not only does he speak in that way, Jesus himself speaks in that way. Would you continue to turn with me to Acts chapter 1? We're going to go to Acts chapter 1. It's the very next book of the Bible. We're going to look there in verse 4, verses 4 and 5. And this is an account of after Jesus had risen from the dead, right before he ascended into heaven after being with them for 40 days. So let's say this is on the 40th day as Jesus is with them. It says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized, Jesus says, as I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He says that. I, just as I've told you before, John baptized with water, but there's another baptism that is coming. It's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, here's what Jesus says. Why? To answer the question why, verse 8, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and even to the ends of of the earth. Jesus said, this is the why. That you're going to be filled with power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that power is for a purpose. It's not for entertainment. It's not just to feel good about yourself. It's to be a witness for me, to tell people about me everywhere you go. See, what I've called you to, that's what he's saying, and what I've called you to is bigger than you. And that's why I've given you a power that is bigger than you to accomplish it. If you could do it in your own strength and power, there would be no need for the Holy Spirit's presence and empowerment in this way. But he says this, you will receive power, and then you will be able to be my witnesses. Here, there, and around the world. That's the promise of God. That's the promise of our Lord and of our Savior. And right after that, he ascends into heaven, and they go into a period of 10 or 11 days where they're just waiting Waiting, they're not leaving. They're in the place of prayer in the upper room, waiting on the Lord. So you'd say to me, Pastor, what exactly is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? You may have heard a lot of things, but I want to kind of walk you through it um, because there are three movements that happen in the life of a believer. There are three movements that I just want to talk to you about just briefly, and I actually want to illustrate them right here. The first movement that happens. The first thing that kind of happens in your life when you come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior is that the Bible says you were what? A new creation. It means your old life has been poured out. You've turned away from your sin. And it says, although your sin has made you like scarlet, he has washed you white as snow. And when that happens, we receive a new spirit. Did you know that? This says the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is now alive in you, at work in you, filling your life. And so now you receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. At that moment, you become a follower of Jesus Christ. You receive the Holy Spirit. It's put on you. It's like a seal. It's now you have him dwelling in you. The same power, the Bible says, that rose Jesus from the dead 
alive and at work inside of you. And so you receive the Holy Spirit at that moment of salvation. That's the inward change that we're talking about. The Holy Spirit is, has the power to now change your life and lead your life and guide your life. But then what happens after that is you are called to now take that inward change, what's happened inside of your life, and to enter into the waters of baptism. You see, you can look inside and you can say, yes, that's, that's beautiful what's happened inside. But on the outside, you can't see it. There are still smudges. There are some things that don't look so pretty. Um, there's still some flaws. You know, that's the same is true of you and me, isn't it? Look around if you're not sure of it. The person next to you will tell you all those things that they notice as well. Um, and so that's why it's so important for us to understand that baptism isn't about cleaning us up on the outside or us cleaning ourselves up on the outside enough so that we can uh, be ready for that. It's instead, it's an outward identification of what's happened on the inside. It's an outward sign of an inward transformation. And so when you enter into the waters of baptism, remember we said it's not about purification or even preparation. It's about identification. It's saying this, I'm with Jesus. You step into the waters. You're showing on the outside what's happened to you on the inside. Are you following me still, church? So you're there, and this is what happens to you. The Holy Spirit has been poured into your life. You now enter in the waters of baptism to show others, this is what's happened. I'm a, I'm a changed life. I'm a new person. I'm a new creation. I'm with him. I'm with Jesus. And here's this promise of God, is that for everyone that is willing to call, on him, everyone that's willing to then step out and not just stand with him, but stand for him in this world, to be a witness, to realize that I'm willing to submit my life to whatever God wants to do. And this isn't about going into vocational ministry. It's about being a missionary wherever God calls you, down the hall in your home, across the office, uh, to the ends of the earth, wherever he calls you, saying, Lord, I'm going to be your witness, your representative. I'm going to tell people about you. I'm going to share your love with others. When you're willing to take that step, he says there's now another thing that happens in the life of a believer, that there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And this one right here isn't just a filling, but it is an overflow that happens in the life of everyone who calls upon the, the Lord for it. And that overflow is an overflow of God's presence and power in your life. There is a new boldness, a new confidence that comes over the life of a believer when this takes place. I can only tell you because I stood there in that place three days into this thing I would call a relationship with Jesus Christ, a life-changing relationship. And the pastor said to me, there's more. He didn't use any of these kinds of things to describe it. Here's all he said. God has a plan for you. And I realized it was bigger than me. And he said, if you want to step into that and you want to say, God, if whatever you have for me, I want. Lord, I want to follow you wherever you'll lead me. He said, if that's your prayer, then just come forward and just begin to worship the Lord. And as I'm worshiping the Lord and as I'm singing songs, another language starts coming out of my mouth that I did not even understand. He didn't tell me to expect it. He didn't tell me what would happen. He didn't say anything about it. I wish he would have brought me to the passage of Scripture that I'm going to bring you to. Uh, so maybe I should have a talk with him because I still know him uh, who is speaking. But I didn't know any of that. I didn't expect any of it. I came forward just this. Lord, I just want everything you have for me. Lord, I just want to be used by you. And when that happened, God's power met my life to the point where I'm speaking in a different language, and then I run out of the room because I get really freaked out by what just happened. That's my story. And it was then my friends bringing me to this place in the book of Acts. And turn with me there to Acts chapter 2. And said, so this is what happens. Because this is what happened. 
Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And that in one place is important. Pastor Rick mentioned it in first service. I don't know if he said it to open up our second. That one place is about a unity of mind, of heart, of purpose. They're praying. They're worshiping. They're seeking the Lord. And in that place, suddenly, someone say suddenly. Suddenly there was a sound like a rushing wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And then it looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone, say everyone. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost. Our Lord, our Savior, Jesus, the Bible says this, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still calling us. If there's still a mission, there's still power for that mission. If there's still a purpose, there's still power that's available in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit today for us to step into all that God has for us. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? What God has called his followers to is so much bigger than they are. And that's why he has given the promise of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's an overflowing, talk about overflow, an overflowing of his presence, of his power in your life. And it changes you from the inside out. It marks your life in brand new ways. Look what happens to Peter. Peter, 40-some days earlier, A little servant girl asking him questions about Jesus sends him running. And on the day of Pentecost, after the outpouring, the baptism of the Holy Spirit touched his life, he gets up in front of thousands of people and speaks the gospel with boldness. And 3,000 people turn their lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and are baptized on that day. Talk about a turnaround in someone's life. It marked the life of the New Testament church. I want to tell you this. Look with me throughout the book of Acts, and I want you to say, what would it look like? What would the New Testament church, that's the church you see in the book of Acts, what would the New Testament church look like without the presence and power of the Holy Spirit flowing? What would the New Testament church look like without the presence and power of the, of the Holy Spirit flowing? The answer, some would say, is look at the church in America today. That's it. A lot of programs, a lot of busyness, a lot of people. But where's the power of God? Where are the signs? Where are the wonders? Where are the miracles? But where's the desperation to, to see his presence fill the house again? Where's the, where's the waiting on the Lord in prayer? Where's the seeking of it? Because I want to tell you, he has it for all those that will ask. And his desire is to pour it out. The Bible says, Jesus says himself, we have a good, good father. He's not going to give us a stone when we ask for bread. And how much more does he say? Will he give you the Holy Spirit when you ask him? He desires to empower our lives for something that's so much bigger than we are. And I believe there's a few things that maybe we have to make sure we have right as we come to a place of even approaching this topic and subject. I think one of the things that can get in the way for us is we have a very entitled way of thinking. How many of us actually believe that God has something for us that's bigger than we are? Or have we bought all the hype around us we believe we're big enough for what God has for us? that we're going to do God a favor by serving in that ministry, that we're going to, come on, somebody, we're going to do God a favor by telling someone about him or whatever it is that you think you're doing. If you think your gifting is enough and your natural abilities are enough for what God has called you to, then you're mistaken. 
But what God has for you is so much bigger than you. For some of you, you're not even willing to dream that far out. You're not even willing. It scares you senseless to even think because God's already put it in your heart. You can't even think about it without getting afraid because it's so much bigger than you could ever think, dream, or imagine. And you wonder what you're going to do. You just get paralyzed in fear when you think about it. Here's what you need to know. Just lean into it. Know that it's there. But guess what? Know that the power of his Holy Spirit will meet you as you step out and as you ask. And he hasn't given his Holy Spirit to meet our own agenda. He hasn't given it to us so that we would just be entertained. You see, just as I said last week that baptism in water, water baptism, it is not about preparation. It is about identification. Here's what you need to know. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not about entitlement. It is about empowerment. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a notch on some belt. It's not something you get just to make you feel good. It's not something for any of those purposes. It is an empowerment so you can step into the purpose and plan that God has for your life. And if you're willing to stand on that, if you're willing to trust him with that, then God pours out his spirit. But I want to tell you, if you think it's just for you, (laughs) you're mistaken. It was because he called them to something so much bigger than themselves. And you have to get to the place of realizing this, that it's not going to be by power. Come on, Zechariah says it. Or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Are we a people that are desperate for the spirit of God to move in our lives? Are we a people that are desperate for his presence? Are we like the Israelites in the wilderness? Lord, we can't go anywhere if your presence isn't going before us. And how much of us are walking for so long in our own strength? Don't wonder anymore why you're dry, depleted, or even defeated if you've wandered away from where the Holy Spirit is trying to lead your life. Some of you, you're just walking in your own strength, in your own might, in your own power. You're toiling. But God says this, I have something for you. And if you're willing to step into it, I will pour out my spirit upon you to meet the task every single time. And you will see his presence in abundant measures. There's more. Those two words, they changed my life. They put me on a path that led me to this very place. And I want to tell you there's more for you. We see, and I want to bring you right there, Acts chapter 8. And as Pastor Rick and the worship team comes, in Acts chapter 8, we see that there is this exact progression that happens. You'll see the progression in other parts of the book of Acts. I feel we just lost sight of this last part as we've come this far. But you'll see that as they're preaching, Philip and some of the believers, they're preaching in the exact place Jesus said they would go. He said, you go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. They're in Samaria now in Acts chapter 8. And they're preaching. The Samaritans, you know, they didn't associate well with the Jewish people. They, They honestly, you know, were very synchronistic, syncretistic inside of their beliefs. What that means is that they actually took different attributes of different religions and kind of blended them all together and said, this is what we'll worship now. And so that was just a hotbed for sorcery, for witchcraft, for magic, for all kinds of these dark things happening all around them. And there was a man there named Simon. They called him Simon the Sorcerer, Simon the Magician. Simon was one that they literally said he's like God in the flesh because of the amazing things that he does. But I want to tell you that when Philip and the believers in Jesus showed up, and the power of the Holy Spirit was present in their lives, all the people turned from every other person, and all they could do was run and listen to the good news being preached. And as they listened and as they heard, they saw the real thing from the counterfeit, and they turned their hearts and lives to Jesus. Come on, I want to praise God for that right now. It happened 2,000 years ago. I want to praise God for it. 
That's what happened. And as that happened, they began to baptize them. They began to baptize them. They accepted Jesus. Their life was filled. The Holy Spirit began to fill them. They then entered the waters of baptism, but this third thing hadn't yet happened. So look what it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. Verse 15 says, as soon as they arrived, they prayed for the new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter and John laid hands upon them. These believers, they received the Holy Spirit. And they received it in such a way that it was visible on the outside. So you see, in the same way that us getting into water, it's an outward sign of what God has done inside of us. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's an outward evidence of it, that there's speaking in other languages, speaking in tongues. We see this happen in different places around the book of Acts. I saw it happen in my own life. This is an outward sign of what God's doing in the life of someone who's being filled and baptized with his Holy Spirit. And as this happened, there's a man, this man, Simon the Sorcerer, he gets saved, he gets baptized, and he realizes, man, I want some of that, but he almost wants it for the wrong reasons. He tries to go and pay and says, give me that power so that I can go around and lay my hands on others and give them the Holy Spirit. Boy, if Peter didn't rebuke someone, he did it that day. He said, you're toying with the wrong kind of power here. It'll leave you dead. Don't play around. God's up to something right now. And Simon the sorcerer turned his life back. No, I'm sorry. Please pray for me. That's not what I want. God has given us this power not for our own agenda, church, but for his agenda, for his purpose, for his mission, for our lives. And if you're willing to just trust him and step into it, then he's going to meet you with power. And that power is going to overflow in every area of your life. And so would you stand to your feet with me from the front of this room to the back? And here's what I want to do. I've given us time. I've given us plenty of time, over 10 minutes for us to just respond to what God is doing here. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you, if you're in one of these two places, I think most of us are here, maybe you've experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life before. Maybe you have been touched by God. Maybe you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. But you say, Pastor, as you're talking, that's such a far and distant memory. I need a fresh touch from God today. In Acts chapter 4, there was so much persecution happening. Those believers on the day of Pentecost that were filled, they had to come back together and they had to gather in God's presence because there was persecution, uh, challenges, everything all around them. But as they came together and prayed and sought the face of God, the Bible said that the place they were praying was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit again. And they were able to experience that fresh touch from God. So some of you here, you just need a fresh touch from God this morning. And you're going to come to these altars and receive that. And for others of you, have never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. But you're ready to step out as a witness for Christ. And as you do that, as you follow Jesus, I'm believing he's going to meet you today and fill you and baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So let's come right now. And I want to tell you, child care, that's still going on for about 10 more minutes. They're there. You don't have to worry. They're not dismissing them. This is a time for you. We, we can just press in together, church, of the presence of God. Can we do that together? Can we just press into God's presence? These altars are going to be open. I want to tell you in the balcony, come down. Let's just not let this moment pass. Let's press in on these few songs and let this be the way that we can close out our time and experience all that God has for us. So come right where you're at. Come. If that's you, anyone here, just come right out of your seats. Come on. Come on. Come on. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be nervous about. It's going to be us coming together and just worshiping the Lord. And we're just going to seek the Lord and we're going to ask him for whatever it is that he has for us. Don't let fear, don't let anxiety, don't let any of those things get in the way. Don't let a balcony 
stand in the way of you coming and just gathering at this altar. As you come, even fan out to the ends of here, fill in all around. That's you in the balcony. Come on, come. First service, they came, and you can come as well. But we're just going to worship the Lord right now, and as we do, I want you to step out of your seat. I want you to say, Lord, I want all that you have for me, and just begin to worship him. And I'm believing for the Lord to meet you and to fill you with power, just as his word promises. So that's you. Just come right now. There, there are those that are coming. If you're in that dry place, just come. If you need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit in your life, just come. sing. I want you just to lift your voices, and as you're singing, just come. If the Lord tugs your heart, just come forward. Spend time at this altar right now asking the Lord. I don't have the power to baptize. I can baptize you in water, but only Jesus can baptize in the Holy Spirit, and that's all we're going to ask him for today. Very similar. We're going to ask him, Lord, just give a fresh touch from heaven today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.